So the big question today is this, are the CAA wasting your money to try and silence people who are exposing their shortcomings? Hey everyone, it's Matt Williams, Mr. MPW, and welcome to today's video. Should be a good one today as we take a deeper dive into one of the main reasons I've been quiet over the last few months and not bringing you any information on the channel. For those who aren't up to speed, the UK CAA sent me a letter on the 5th of November 2020, which questioned my fitness of character to run what is the UK's largest drone school, and essentially given me a choice. Back off from stating my opinion on the current state of the regulator, or I guess risk having our RE approval taken away from us, and thus unable to keep a roof over my family's head. And I hate myself for this, but I'm afraid, for a while at least, that I had to take a step back, be a good boy, and keep paying the mortgage. But after a bit of rejigging and more than a little legal advice, there's a few things I want to share with you all and make you aware of, so you can make your own mind up surrounding this entire affair. As always, especially with this one, please don't forget to leave your thoughts down below. So let's dive in. From the beginning, I've always said I'm going to bring you the truth. I've always said I'm going to be open and brutally honest, and that's really important to me. It's something which has been instilled into me whilst growing up, particularly during my 13 years as an officer and frontline flying instructor in the Royal Air Force. Everything we're trained to do and why we're trained to do it revolves around integrity and maintaining that integrity whatever the pressures or external circumstances. This has always been true on the channel here, even when it's been to the detriment of my training company. For example, telling you, much to the disdain of our sales and marketing team, that you don't need to get your qualifications for certain things, or telling people to go out and get a Mavic Mini if you don't need anything bigger because you can do way more with it without getting qualified. But that's always been the point, to make sure you get the best advice and guidance with no external influences. Which leads me on to my next point. When I set off on the journey to reach out, help and educate more people by starting the channel here, I knew there was the potential for a conflict of interest. This being between the desire to attract people to the channel and effectively sell you on purchasing our training courses and being open and honest all the time. So to stop this happening, before it even had a chance to begin, we did something really important. We set up the Mr. MPW brand under a totally separate company. This gives me the flexibility and the freedom to say and do whatever I like on the channel here without it having an impact on the thing which puts bread on the table at home. And I'm proud to be able to sit here and hand on heart say that this is exactly what I've done. In many videos, I've told you not to bother spending on training courses which won't help you. So my conscience is clear in that respect. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, I think it's really important to give a little background behind the business structures and be aware that there's two totally separate companies involved here. So now let's look at the facts behind this entire event and start to pull things together. I founded what's now the UK's largest drone training school back in 2014 when I was medically discharged from the Air Force following a flying accident. We created the school, started teaching a lot of people and worked hard alongside the CAA to help them get safe and appropriately qualified drone pilots out into the commercial world. When I say worked alongside them, I mean literally spoke to the CAA team on a pretty much daily basis. We enjoyed great two-way communications with them and we were always kept in the loop regarding upcoming changes and things which might affect us and our students. Crucially though, the CAA were also willing to listen to our thoughts and concerns from within the industry. 
the people on the ground dealing with the students and out operating drones in the real world, and this helped them to understand how they could do things better and stay ahead of the rest of the world in this new and emerging space. Naturally and understandably, as the drone industry began to grow, the team at the CAA became more and more stretched. They had less time to engage with us and others in the industry, and they started to go off down their own path. This is entirely understandable and has to happen as things grow. I get that. But, and this is a big but, despite warning them on a regular basis for years that strategic communications with those who represent them are vital and would go a long way towards actually making their lives easier, they seem determined to leave us in the dark. I think it's also worth mentioning briefly at this stage that I've always conventionally been a conformist. If there's a process, I'd follow it to the letter. If there's a form you're supposed to fill in, I'd be your man to fill it. A cue, I'd cue. A sign to say no whistling, I mean, you get the idea, right? What I'm saying is that traditionally, I'm so square, you could use my right angles to find a true 90 degrees. So going up against an organisation like the CAA isn't something I've done lightly and only began to happen when they stopped listening and there was no other way to affect change. Speaking of which. Now, I know you're all desperate for me to spill the tea and get into the letter. I promise it's coming in a minute, but moving things along a little first. As we all know, there have been some huge changes to the drone regulations in the UK over the last 18 months or so. Not only have those changes been drastic, they were done over a period of time, which has probably been the most difficult we've seen for a generation. So I can totally empathize with those who've been trying to implement and manage those changes. That being said, again, if the implementation of those changes have been planned, managed and communicated efficiently and effectively, many of the problems would have been negated. I've said this time and time again to the CAA, offered to help with the process on many occasions, and we're always met with, well, generally no response at all, which is more than a little disappointing. I mean, what communications have you seen from the CAA about the new regulations? Have they emailed you if you're a registered commercial drone operator on the list? Have they emailed all the people who hold an operator or flyer ID to tell them what the new rules are, that they're out and where you can find them? If you've heard from them at all, please pop down how they got in touch with you in the comments below. I've certainly not received anything definitive from them and the new rules came out almost six months ago now. You see, the thing is, the CAA have oversight in advance of the changes to regulations and legislation. They're therefore in a position whereby they could create some great marketing copy ahead of planned changes, line up their distribution and push it out to their audience very quickly and very cost effectively. They have the data to do so, so why are they seemingly unwilling or unable to get it done? Relying on the news lines to pick up on the drone rule change story on the 31st of December 2020 and putting the odd video out onto your socials isn't enough. This whole process needed to be managed and communicated effectively and efficiently and was something which we in the community, particularly those of us who have access to the CAA's target audience, would have happily helped with and indeed offered to do so. But instead, they decided to spend your money Bearing in mind they posted a loss of £1 million last year on the public accounts and their very limited resources, trying to restrict my freedom of speech by leveraging their power over me and my position as the accountable manager at UAV Hub because they didn't like being publicly challenged. On to the thing you've all come here for then. As I mentioned in part one of this video, if you saw it, I'm not going to dive into the exact detail and wording in the letter which the CAA sent to me. It's not really relevant to the conversation here and it wouldn't be prudent for me to show you all of the elements, but I'm sure you can get the gist. 
Essentially, due to my increasing frustration with the CIA's shortcomings, failings, and lack of effective communications, as some of you will be aware, I started to use this relatively small platform on occasion to voice my opinion, something which, as a member of a democratic society, I am entitled to do. Indeed, this is something that I have literally put my life on the line for and fought for throughout my military career. I've lost friends, colleagues and people I loved fighting for this country and the rights like these which we hold so very dear. So, to have received a legal letter from the CAA about a 10-minute unplanned opinion piece at the end of a YouTube live event I held in 2020 was a little out of the blue. In the letter, the CIA refer to an unnamed video and social media posts, but they have taken the time to watch whichever video it was and provide timestamps, the comment they're referring to, and a brief reply from each. Before they do this though, they call into question my fitness of character to be the accountable manager at an RAE, in this case UAV hub. They go on to state that they must assume that the students you train are exposed to the same attitudes and are likely to carry these opinions forward which couldn't be further from the truth. First off, the training we provide is genuinely exemplary. And second, there's no attitude here, just the frustration from someone who's genuinely trying to help the industry evolve. It's the CAA who need to adjust their processes and attitude to meet the demands of the new demographic which they're now serving. And to assume anything is a very dangerous thing. And it's this statement in the letter which is the reason I've been quiet. To allow me to maintain my integrity and continue to bring you my opinion and guidance on the channel, I've resigned from my role as the head of UAV Hub. I'm no longer the accountable manager there and I'm no longer involved in the day-to-day -day operations. Sure, I'm still a co-owner and obviously have a very vested interest in how the business runs, but to remove the leverage which the CAA have over me, I decided to step down as the accountable manager and pass that mantle on to one of our other directors, so I can take this fight to them if required and still pay the mortgage. To coin a phrase from our old friend Andy Sage from Nats over this, one has to wonder which one of the three C's the CAA currently falls into. Um, you know, we regard drone users in kind of three categories, clueless, careless and criminal. And, and I guess one of the big things which has happened since the UK's withdrawal from YASA is that the CAA all of a sudden have had to become a regulator again. When we were an EASA member state, the overarching legislation governing aviation in our airspace was created and regulated within EASA, and as a member state, we operated within those frameworks. The CAA were charged with oversight, sure, but they haven't really had to do any proper regulation since we joined EASA, and now they've got to jump back in and work out how to regulate again. This leads me to one of the biggest points for change that I think the DFT need to explore, particularly given evidence such as the findings of the AAIB, the Air Accident Investigation Branch, into the crash of the Aluda airspeeder in 2019, which states that the CAA UAS sector team were relatively new to the role and had limited experience in dealing with airworthiness matters. As a result, no assessment was made of the operator's ability. So maybe it's time to take a look at the layers within the regulatory environment. Sure, this particular incident was a couple of years ago and the CAA's experience, particularly in regards to OSCs, may have increased since. But how about the CAA devolve responsibilities like these to experts in the field? Rather than having to create and retain this experience in-house, allowing them to craft the regulations, create the frameworks and then assess the implementation of these. 
How about we look at expert bodies who can be authorised by the CAA to assess on their behalf, much like happens in manned aviation? Devolve this responsibility to people who are experts at what they do, rather than trying to develop this expertise in-house. It's not time efficient or cost effective, and more worryingly, as we see in the report for the airspeeder incident, it doesn't allow you to take a step back, have full oversight of the processes and implement them properly. I'd suggest that adding a layer of implementation is the way to turn things around and get us moving back up towards the spearhead of this industry, where we very much stood a few years ago. Rather than seeing other countries developing and iterating such that they are now accelerating away from us. Maybe it's the BMFA who need to be given this role. Maybe it's a new organisation which can implement effectively on behalf of the CAA. Who knows? Again, in my opinion, this could have been a role for an organisation like, like ARPAS if they'd pulled their fingers out and done what I'm doing now, fighting for the industry they represent rather than enjoying their lunches around the CAA's table. But what do you think? Should the CAA be allowed to be poacher and gamekeeper or should we look to change things up? allow them to regulate and lead a group of dedicated experts to actually make things happen on the ground. In conclusion then, here's the question. Do the CAA feel threatened by what I've said? Given the opportunities, actually no, the requests I've made to them over the years for open and honest lines of communication, why have they decided to go down this path rather than engage with community leaders proactively and ultimately, what did they hope to achieve by taking this course of action, spending your money and their time and resources on this letter? Maybe they just hoped a threat would be enough for me to stop calling them out. Maybe they were relying on my traditionally conformist nature to make me take a pace backwards and get back in my box. Now, I'm no conspiracy theorist or anarchist, far from it. But don't forget that the CAA work for us as members of a democratic society, not the other way around. We, the people, decide who gets to exercise the rights and privileges within positions of power and responsibility. And I, as a member of the people, think it's time for change. If you made it this far, thanks for watching. And until the next time, unless I'm picked up and whisked off by the men in black before I get a chance to make another video, fly safe and blue skies. <laughs>